Hi, I'm Mark Renner. This is Victory Over Sin. Saturday afternoon to you. My name is Mark Rennick. This is Victory Over Sin. First part of the show, what we attempt to do is to tell you what we're trying to do with this this radio program. Victory Over Sin is actually funded by uh, the St. Vincent de Paul of Southwest Idaho's Advocacy Program. And what we attempt to do with that is to educate you, the Idahoan, the one who's just driving around and understand what it's like to be incarcerated in Idaho and to come out and to try to reintegrate yourself into the community. That's not an easy process. Uh, We do it in several different ways. One of those is this radio show, which we've been doing for almost three and a half years. If you go back into the archives of KBXL or if you go to the archives of uh, St. Vincent de Paul of Idaho's website, you'll see all the shows that we've done over the years in terms of supporting people who are coming out of incarceration. We got all sorts of shows there uh, pertaining to organizations that support people. We've got people that came out their first day and came into the studio. We've got politicians. We've gotten some national figures. It's an interesting body of work, if you will, to understand the Department of Corrections. Check, check out some of those things, and you might learn something about the Department of Corrections if you're so inclined. In addition to that, pre-COVID, we used to ha- have a – we're looking forward to doing this again. We've got a PowerPoint presentation that we would bring to your uh, work, to your school, to your uh, – meeting group, if you will, and it's a 20-minute PowerPoint that's put together on how to survive on in, in community from in Pearl. The great thing about this is that it's actually put on by a person who is a returning citizen themselves. So it's really nice to be able to present that data and then to, have to answer questions afterward. We look forward to doing that again, hopefully at some point in time in the near future. Um, in addition to that, we're doing some exciting things. If you've been listening to our radio show over the years, We've actually moved our office now, and we're now located at 3217 West Overland Road in Boise. If you know anything about St. Vincent de Paul, you know that's where the food bank is, and it's the small building in front that used to be the administration. We've taken that over in terms of reentry, and what we do is uh, house the people who pick up people from incarceration, and we try to get everybody who comes out of incarceration there the first day to come to that location. At that location, what we attempt to do is to provide you with links to resources and connect you up with uh, a pathway, if you will, to make life a little bit easier in your first days after release. Uh, In addition, what we've done, too, is to divide up our staff and uh, the other parts of our program, which are a program for employment. We've got a couple of employment programs, and we've got a program called Recon, which we're really excited about, which supports people in the first six months of uh, their transition back into incarceration with a recovery coach. That program, as well as a program we're calling 72 Hours, is now located at the an, uh, an address on Fairview, 5256 Fairview. In addition to that location, all the other administration for St. Vincent de Paul is located there. So you can tell we're doing lots of exciting things, and we'll try to keep you updated on 
all that sort of stuff. We've got a, an interesting guest in terms of one of the people who are going to help us as we roll out to Canyon County, which we're going to talk about here in the show today. He'll be, we'll be right back to talk to him in one minute. The Idaho Justice Project is a new statewide nonpartisan organization to improve Idaho's justice system. Idaho has the third highest rate of people under corrective control in the entire country. Idaho's jails and prison are beyond capacity, but most are there for nonviolent crimes like drug addiction or probation and parole violations. The Idaho Department of Corrections spent over $309 million in 2020. 37% of people released from prison in 2016 reoffended within three years. 62% of Idaho's yearly prison admissions are for a probation or parole violation, the highest rate in the country. The average probation term in Idaho has grown by 109% since 2000. As of June 30, 2020, there were over 17,000 Idahoans on probation or parole. One out of every 38 adults is on probation in Idaho. For more information on how you can help and get involved with the Idaho Justice Project, go to 3217 West Overland Road, Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to noon, and ask for Mark. Okay, welcome back. It's uh, always difficult to find people to um, do this sort of work. Uh, it doesn't pay a lot of money. You have to have a good heart. And we were very fortunate at St. Vincent de Paul to find a Mr. Mike Perry, who's with us today. Mike, welcome. Welcome, Mark. He is... Um, Thank you. He is uh, on staff at St. Vincent de Paul of Southwest Idaho. He is a recovery coach, and as he's working into a full-time role with the recovery coach, he's kind of helping us with transition in terms of picking people up from incarceration, and so he's been a key person for that. So uh, it's nice for you to be here, and, and it's nice to have you on board. You've, uh, I will tell you right off the top, you have made my life tremendously easier in your tenure, and it's been nice to be working with you. So thank you for that. You're welcome. Tell me a little bit about Mike Perry, where he was born and background and all that kind of good stuff. Mike Perry was born in 1960 in a suburb outside of uh, Chicago called LaGrange, Illinois. Uh, in the early 70s, was moved out to Southern California, eventually transitioned to Northern California. Okay. What part of Northern California? Uh, Stockton. Oh, yeah, Stockton. Tough yeah. town, tough town. Yeah, it's kind of rough. It was when I was there. Right? <laughs> Okay, and so um, certainly you are most qualified for the role that you're in with us because of uh, some mistakes you made along the way. You want to talk a little bit about that because you did some uh, California time. Yes, from 1973 to 2003, I was high on something. Uh, I eventually became a heroin addict, which uh, brought along with it uh, county jail and eventually prison over many sentences. 1992... I came back after 32 days with a 20-year sentence, which I parlayed and added two other sentences while I was inside and ended up with a 52-to-life sentence. Right. And did you uh, – uh, how many institutions do you think you traveled out through the Department of uh, Nine or ten. All nine or ten. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've done the tour. You know? You're the gray goose kind of uh, travel around? Yeah, I've been around to a lot of different yeah. ones through the 80s and, and 90s. Um, Which ones stand out to you in terms uh, of New Folsom? Really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I was uh, an old, I was an old Folsom. I was never in New Folsom. It was kind of like state of the art at one point in time. Also, Tracy at Tracy. times would be exciting. Yes, they, that was Gladiator School in my day. Yes. Uh, tell me about New Folsom. Is it what? What was your experience with New Folsom? Is it really that kind of like a Pelican Bay kind of modified? It was at times. 
very political. It's very racial, very segregated, and uh, people don't fight; they stab. It's more of a uh, tough guy oriented mentality. And were, when you were at New Folsom, what were how were they utilizing Old Folsom? Uh, that had become a level two. Oh, really? Okay. So. Yes. So it was. They had decreased it to a lower level, trying to lower the violence. Okay, because I think there was Old Folsom, if you don't know, is it's that classic kind of building you see, but the cells were very small. They were designed for one. Yeah. I know when I floated through there, um, gosh, back in the 81 or so, uh, they were doubling us up, and it was just really crowded and really hot and no air conditioning, and it was nasty. Well, uh, New Folsom has a lot bigger cells, but they never had uh, any of the if swamp core, so it was still very hot during the summer. Yeah. Folsom can get warm. Yes. Talked about the, I mean, you have, um, fortunate for you, you've never experienced anything in Idaho in terms of incarceration, but speak a little bit to um, the difficulty of incarceration in the state of California, right? Well, the the difficulty is is the misery likes company, and it's uh, it's hard to break away to want to do the right thing. And because everybody will... Uh, especially because I was a Christian. I got saved in 2003. Right. And uh, that's uh, seen as a sign of weakness inside. You know, when uh, you now become a white dude that's not has no value. Well, I think, too, for me, um, we, were, we were, I guess we were cursed pretty much at the same time, some, some of our time, but there, the minority, the breakdown, the racial breakdown in California is much, much different than it is in Idaho. And we were, whites were a very small percentage of the population in California. Correct? Or? I would agree. Yeah. And uh, because of that, uh, the solidness and the standing together and the, the fake propaganda that is indoctrinated in you, it's hard to break away from it and do your own thing and do the right thing. It, it was, I think it, I found it very difficult, I think like what you're saying too, just to be an individual um, I learned quickly um, not really to stare at anything and to keep mind my own business instead of just everybody's business. But even then, you almost had to get involved in some stuff as you were just going through your day-to-day situations. Is that the case for you too? Or? Well, the life sentence came from making a statement. Right. You know, um, people term it as putting in work or standing up for yourself. Right? You either in a sense, victimize or be a victim. It's not, there's not much in between. Uh, it's a society built on control by not only the correctional officers, but the population of those who's in control. And they want you to do things and normally you wouldn't do. Yeah. I know I found myself at one point in time um, in Susanville <clears throat> where um, – I think I was on the Sierra Yard, and uh, someone had accused me of that it's something I'd done something in L.A. County Jail, and I'd never been to L.A. County Jail, and I know it took yard reps, you know, from each racial background to get together to kind of approach a lieutenant to find my quote-unquote jacket to find out that I had never actually been in L.A. County Jail, or I would have, I was in, I was in peril unless, you know, that had happened. And then when it was found that I wasn't in L.A. County Jail, uh, my racial group then wanted to retaliate against the groups that 
came against me. And all I really wanted to do was just, you know, go through fire training and get out of the Sierra Yard. And uh, it was just a very difficult situation. Yeah, well, it's a good thing that back then that they didn't just, they weren't impulsive. It's changed uh, over the years. It's nobody has to have paperwork. No, they just take it off of somebody's word and then they're uh, reactive. So, yeah, so I mean, in some ways, I got lucky too. Yeah, so anyway, like I said, I think if you're listening to us and you're in the desert uh, and you're thinking that uh, life is difficult in the Idaho prison system, uh, I can tell you, for for instance, that um, I was very fortunate to survive two two year terms in California, just keeping my head down and trying to stay out of the way. But uh, it was not easy, and there were times where I was in peril, and just by you know God's grace, I made it through without being hurt. It's, it's a difficult situation. What sparked the move to Idaho for you? Well, what happened in my case? I and just for the record, I was in from nineteen ninety two to two thousand nineteen, twenty six okay. and a half years straight. Uh, in 2003, I started uh, just doing the right thing. Had an encounter with God, and everything changed. It's kind of like those books that you read. Mm-hmm. Supernatural experience. It's relative to me. Everybody else really wouldn't understand it. I started educating myself, got my GED, got an associate degree, bachelor's degree in biblical counseling from Christian Bible College and Seminary out of Blue Springs, Missouri. Started working, clerking, doing other things. And became a counselor clerk, lieutenant clerk, captain's clerk. Finally, I was a, a and those things are in the California system. The clerks run the whole entire prison system. It's like you would think staff would, but they don't. Clerks run everything. And the place that I ended up working was in central services, where maybe six people is very trusted position. And somebody put my name in one of the administrators. They have a program called Eleven Seventy D. And what happens is it's like a case-by-case case. because once you go past your appeal, you're stuck. There's nothing. It doesn't matter what you could do. Jerry Bond changed that. Mm-hmm. And it goes the second th- time, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes, the second time he was as governor. <laughs> but it goes through four different levels, and it made it all the way up my name and all my recommendations and everything to the director of corrections. He now has the authority, which he did, and signed off on me and sent it back to my sentencing court for a recall and resentencing. I went back to the sentencing court, Stanford Law Three Strikes Program, picked it up and represented me pro bono. And within a two-month period, I was back in court. Seven minutes later, they removed one of the strikes, sentenced me to time served, and discharged me from parole. Now, my wife lived out in, in Idaho, so I was able to fly out here six days later. Fantastic. Yeah, I love stories like that. And uh, you say the complex story in terms of coming to Christianity, it's a complex one? or it's, it's complex because when you have this new birth, you're born again, and you try and explain it to everybody else who knows you the other way. First of all, they think you're... Yeah. You're a liar still. They don't understand. And then you try and share the supernatural experience with the, somebody who hasn't experienced what you've experienced. And I learned that I had to do it by action instead of words over time because yeah. nobody was going to get what I yeah. had. It's the example that will change their hearts. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so how, so then six days later, you're in Idaho. Oh, yeah. yeah. Scared to death. Yeah. <laughs> I hadn't been out for over a quarter century. So you get on a plane and you come up to Idaho and – um, I know that I found you through the homeless community in terms of the shelters down there. Um, 
talk a little bit about what that experience was like in terms of coming from prison to Boise's homeless community. Well, when I got out, everything was frustrated immediately from the gate because all I had was a California prison ID, nothing yeah. else. So somebody had told me about a uh, awesome lady named Jody Peterson. That's right. Who had, Shout out to her. She helped somebody, a homeless man, get an ID. I watched the video. I contacted her. Make a long story short, she fought for me, contacted everybody. I had so much information that when they finally got me in there, they gave me my ID card plus the star card. Wow, that's good. Yes, and uh, a month after that, when I couldn't find work because of the feeling I was having a lot of difficulties, she brought me on board and hired me. And uh, yep, she's a she's a buddy of ours, and uh, I, I I owe her a debt of thanks in terms of uh, connecting you and I up because it's uh, she came to me and she said, "I got this guy, man. He's perfect for you." And so uh, that's that's one of the good things about Idaho is that we're small enough to um, know who everybody is, and because we're a close-knit group of people, it's nice to be able to kind of find the good people because it's hard to find the good people. So she came to me with your name, and, and so it's been fantastic that we've linked up and um, we're connected now. So thank her. Yeah, I am, and I'm very grateful to you as well, well Mark. We're, we're, like I said, that's where it became perfect for us. And I think, too, you came to me um, – one of the things that's made life easier for me is that you and I share, uh, we wear our faith on our sleeves and that's important, uh, in terms of what we do, not only all the people that work with us, but the people that we see on a daily basis. Would you agree with that? I would agree. Uh, not everybody's receptive to it, but at least we're able to, like we said before, to live it out through, uh, through our experience, through our hope, through our actions and what I try and install on anybody I come in contact that I pick up is you. I'm your hope. I'm your hope that you can put together. You don't have to return back. And that if you have any understanding spiritually, there is hope there. Cause there. Yeah, and I think what you'll find is over time, it's like the great one of the great things about it is, is that over time people don't maybe hear you the first time, the second time, but they keep that in the back of their mind. And at some point in time, They'll either get back in touch with you or they'll talk to you and they'll say, hey, this changed, this changed. And that's where the reward really comes from, this kind of work. You'll find that as you as you spend more time doing it. Um, you went through uh, twice uh, training to become a recovery coach. Talk a little bit about that. Oh, <laughs> very extensive. Six days, role play, uh, ethics, all kinds of good stuff. They have excellent trainers. Shout out to Lisa. She's amazing. Mark, it was amazing. Uh, it was at uh, Recovery for Life on, <clears throat> in Boise. Uh, it was very thorough and preparing us to understand that we're just here to help walk side by side with the individual, not to do it for them, but to help them get to where they need to be the best possible being that they are. Yeah, eventually um, eventually, Mike's going to work on a program, what we call Recon. And if you're listening to us in the desert, this might be something that you're interested in when you getting, when you are released. Uh, but those of you that don't know, uh, Recovery Coaches, it's not a mentor and it's not a sponsor. It's kind of like that person in between so that he's got some real life experience in terms of recovery. And it's meant to be uh, an uh, an advisor, if you will, as they run across problems, you can bounce it off your recovery coach. You can work with your recovery coach. They can lead you to different resources. And the good thing about Recon is that there is some resources available with it should you get jammed up in terms of something that 
so that Mike can say, this person needs X, X, and Z, and he can come to me, and then we can probably try to get those resources together and make it work for him. So it's a real powerful program, and it doesn't come with the the um, pressure, if you will, of a sponsor saying, do this, do this, or even with a mentor saying, well, you should do this, you should do this. It's kind of the perfect scenario that uh, has taken off across the country and has been real popular in the, on the East Coast, but is becoming more and more popular here in Idaho. So congratulations on completing that. That's, uh, we're, we're excited about that program, and we're excited about how he's going to make that work. Yeah, I'm excited as well. That's right. And I think with his, with his um, um, addition to the staff, he actually uh, lives in a town that's going to allow him to kind of bounce back and forth between Ada and Canyon counties, and that's Region 3 and Region 4. So we're excited about the fact that some of the work that we do have been doing traditionally has always been in Ada County. And uh, as of this month, we're going to put a location in the thrift store at uh, in Caldwell or St. Vincent de Ball, where we're going to have some offices in there. And he's going to spend some time there so that the same work that we do in Ada County will be doing in, in Region 3 in Canyon County and to be serving the same population. So we're excited about that. And he's going to spend some time over in uh, Caldwell and kind of developing resources and working with those folks over there. That's kind of exciting too, isn't it? Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Kind of gives him the um, uh, the situation where he can go forth, develop his own contacts in uh, the Canyon County area and help people as they transition because more and more we're seeing more people that we're picking up that we need support are going over to Region 3 too. So... I think one of the things that you and I've talked about over uh, the past couple of days too is the the challenges of this sort of work. It's you would think it would be working with so much the people, but it becomes challenges of politics and uh, staffing and departments and stuff like that. Is it, was that a surprise to you? Or? Well, yes and no. Inside where I came from was a lot of politics and yep. a lot of things that were well, you wouldn't expect. So I guess in the workplace and in, in the companies and the businesses, I guess this is just a norm of that sometimes there may be failure to communicate with one another or whatever may be the case. Or uh, some people may be overzealous and may step over their bounds a wee bit. Out of their out of their lane, yep. but I, I'm trying not to allow that to distract my vision from where I want to stay and my goal of helping others. You know, it's it's also it helps me anyway to know that or to think about is that it's a real broken world out there. I mean, it's nice you and I are talking on a on a Christian radio station, and so we're listening to people potentially of the same ilk, if you will, it's ilk of word or not. But um, so they understand, but it's a real broken world out there. So sometimes it's hard when you, you're working with an agency or you're working in a structure where, well, you're supposed to be helping me and now you're standing in my way and all I'm really trying to do is to make this program work. And so it becomes frustrating. But if you look at it as the, the world out there is broken, so what make, it makes sense that this would be difficult too. Right, and we, we're, we're overcomers in all things, and this is just something else that we have to have coping skills for. Um, so one of the last things I always kind of like to talk about is how far behind the times Idaho is in all this. Did you find, have you found that in terms of your working with people from coming out of corrections? Well, it, it's very similar to California. It seems that the, uh, the setup for failure to, re, to, to go back to prison recidivism 
is prevalent in this state, just like it is in California. Uh, they give him just enough to one month, and within one month's time, they have to have the money for the next month as well as pay for their PNP. Uh, it's I can imagine how frustrating and how much anxiety it produces in it. And it doesn't seem like this state is tr- totally on board for lifting him up and helping him out as a returning citizen. Uh, it's a, And so, again, you're listening to us and you're inside, let's say. This is not going to be easy, but keep in mind that this is two things I think I would ask you to keep in mind. Number one, you put yourself in that situation where you're incarcerated and you're coming out. But number two is that you're anxious and you want to get out and take on the challenges. So keep those two thoughts in mind as you go forward and that, number one, I made this. Number two, I'm excited about attempting to get out and to forge my own path, if you will, and be prepared to work hard because it's uh, you thought surviving inside was something that's easy. Getting out is going to be a chore in itself, too. One thing I noticed, Mark, is in working with you and the homeless shelters and other things is if somebody wants some help, there is people out here are willing to help. All they have to do is learn to ask and quit being prideful and saying, I got this. The resources are available so you can be successful. That's true. Listen, let me tell you, um, it is, uh, thank you for coming on the show today. Thank and you. And it's, uh, it's nice to have you on board. We've got kindred spirits. I look forward to a future with you and making some changes in the Department of Corrections with you and uh, helping a few people as we go along the way. Thank you so much. Me too. Thank you for having me. Through Jesus, there's victory. All the chains that were holding me kept me locked in captivity. Have been broken by grace so free When he poured out his cleansing blood Motivated by his great love Give me faith I need to rise above And sing a song of how I've overcome I've got victory over sin Bringing peace to the fight within Give me strength I need to start again Okay, like I said, it's sometimes it's uh, one of the I never would have thought that um, finding the right key people to make this uh, situation work is uh, would have been such a task. But we're lucky to have Mr. Perry on board, on board and um, we're looking forward to it. I hope when you guys are, if you're listening to us in the desert, you get a chance to meet Mike and uh, come by the agency and give us a chance to kind of support you in your walk back to community. If you need to reach me, I'm pretty easy to reach. It's www.systemicchangeofid.com. You can send me an email at Systemic Change of Idaho. It's all spelled out there at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, Systemic Change of ID. We're on Instagram, Systemic Change of ID. And you can even call me on the phone if you want to at area code 208-477-1006. I look forward to talking to you next Saturday afternoon on Victory Over Sin.